You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Use promo code GATORS to double your first deposit. Only at mybookie.ag. This episode of Gators Breakdown is also brought to you by Shark Coatings. Visit sharkfloorcoatings.com when you need professional floor coating services done right the first time. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. It is Florida Georgia Week, and I know it doesn't look pretty, but we're going to sit here and preview this game in anyway. Joining me to uh, preview the Georgia Bulldogs, Palmer Toms of Dogs HQ and the On3 Network. Gives us an in-depth preview of the number one team in the country. Be a big upset. Gators, 22-point underdogs. We'll get to hear from Anthony Richardson and Tyreek Sapp as well, their thoughts on that from earlier this week. I didn't get to play that in Monday's episode, of course. It's just we had the big commitment of Roger Kearney, talking about Kermani McLean's decision coming up this week, and also Ben Troop joined us to give us some Florida-Georgia talk. So going to go back to Monday a bit and hear what the players think about that 22 Point spread. Ooh. What can the Gators do? I'll take a look at it. A path to victory. Slim as it may be. We'll take a look at it right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Before we do, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. It really, really helps us out. Especially on the YouTube version. I mean, that's what I'm talking about right there. All those likes, all those subscribes. Get Gators Breakdown noticed. More Gator fans can find it if they're searching for stuff out there on the web, on YouTube. So just help us out. It, it doesn't cost a thing. Hit that like button and subscribe to Gators Breakdown. Also, of course, keep the conversation going. Gators Breakdown Plus. You see the web address there. GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM. Link is in the description. With all the stuff going on around recruiting and the big game, of course, the Discord server that you get access to on Gators Breakdown Plus. 
it just keeps going. That conversation keeps going. If you want to have a great discussion with fellow Gator fans on anything, football, football recruiting, there's a basketball channel, there's a baseball channel, there's outside of sports channels, anything you want to discuss, there's, that's what the plus means. That's what the plus means. <laughs> but mostly, you know, you get extra content right there on Gators Breakdown Plus. All right, here we are with Palmer Tom's Dogs HQ on the OWN3 Network, joining us right here on Gators Breakdown Previewing. Florida, Georgia for me, but Georgia, Florida for him. We know how that goes. <laughs> so, Palmer, man, uh, thanks for hopping on Gators Breakdown, man. Of course, David. Always happy to come on. And, yeah, like you said, it's uh, it's Georgia, Florida down here. We talked to uh, Stetson Bennett, who's, who's from South Georgia, and, and made sure to correct a reporter yesterday. She said, uh, you know, oh, you know, have you thought about this being your last – Florida, Georgia, Georgia, Florida, however you put it. Um, you know, around these parts, Georgia, Florida is the game. Florida, Georgia is the band. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. For it, 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 wherever, wherever school you're connected to, we, of course, we, <laughs> I guess the rule is you put your school first. So, Tommy, let's get into this game a bit here. And look, first Florida, Georgia game since 1981, where Georgia comes in as national champions, currently ranked number one. In the country, what's the vibe around the program right now? As champs and the number one team in the land. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's certainly been a fun season to cover so far. Um, you know, opening up the way that they did against Oregon. Uh, you know, with I guess coming into the season with some, uh, you know, thoughts about you know, hey, is there going to be any sort of drop off? Is there going to be any sort of letdown? Is there going to be any sort of you know hangover to a national championship? Um, Kirby Smart made it clear all offseason that that was not going to be the case. There was going to be no complacency. Uh, I feel like everybody kind of had to see it to believe it, and that Oregon game certainly uh, was enough to see it. Um, you know, going out there, beating the Ducks 49-3, to um, you know, obviously a, a favorable, neutral environment there um, being played in Atlanta. But, uh, you know, th- we, we've obviously gone on to see how good of a team Oregon has become. Um, you know, in these last couple of weeks, um, you know, first season under Dan Lanning, who has his Georgia ties. Um, that that was obviously a great start to the season. Since then, things have slowed down a little bit in terms of the excitement and the hype. Um, you know, there, there have been some highs, there have been some lows. Um, you know, I think going on the road and beating a, a, an SEC East rival like South Carolina in the way that they did, uh, the game that Brock Bowers had that day, that certainly creates some excitement. Um, those first three weeks, the, the start that Stetson Bennett got off to, you know, becoming, uh, you know, in, in, in rarefied air with, with Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel and, and, and Patrick Mahomes, these, these kind of college quarterbacks that, you know, not many have done what Stetson did starting the season off that well. Um, you know, scoring, you know, a rushing touchdown, throwing for 250 plus yards, uh, you know, four consecutive games. That's that's something that, that just those guys did, and, and we've seen how those guys turned out in college, winning the Heisman trophies in the case of uh, Manziel and and Tebow, and and turning out in the pros in terms of the way Mahomes has turned out there. Um, so it, it certainly got off to a great start. Um, you know, I think that things took a little bit of a downslope there when when Georgia played, and and the schedule may have factored into that as well. But that playing Kent State on, at a noon kickoff, slow start for the Georgia Bulldogs that day. Uh, you know, didn't look the best. Turned the ball over. Uh, you know, it, it was a sloppy win. Going on the road to beat Missouri and having to come back in the fourth quarter. Obviously, if you're a Georgia fan, you're excited to see the fact that they did come back, but you're not excited to see the fact that they were trailing in the fourth quarter to a team like that. Um, 
you know, Auburn game got off to a slow start, only up 14, nothing at the half uh, Stetson threw for, I think it was like 25 yards in the first half was not a good day for him. Uh, but I think that, and like I said, it's been a roller coaster of emotions. And I think the, 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 the feelings, the vibe around Athens has started to tick, tick, tick back up a little bit uh, with, with a 55 to nothing win over Vanderbilt before the bye. Stetson came out hot uh, completed 15 of his first 16 passes, uh, including 14 in a row there. Uh, ground game has gotten going. Passing game is getting going. This team is getting healthier. So I think that, you know, as, as the schedule gets tougher, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Georgia Tech, you've got those rivals sandwiching some really tough SEC games. Uh, fans are certainly excited about that, and I think that this team is, is prepared to play some of its best football. Palmer, you brought it up, and this one just came to my mind. And it sounds ridiculous to say, because Florida-Georgia is the rivalry. It is a rivalry game. Any look ahead to Tennessee? <laughs> yeah, I mean, among the fan base, I think that there's – I think the bye week, um, you know, and, and that Tennessee win uh, certainly created a little bit of a look ahead yeah. um, a spot. But I think that as we've transitioned into this week, uh, you know, Georgia-Florida – Florida, Georgia week, um, you know, the, the, the trend, the focus is back in on, on Florida, um, you know, coming off of that, that watching Tennessee beat Alabama and, mm-hmm. and the emotions of, of Neyland stadium there. Uh, you know, I do think that there was some look ahead there and everybody circling that date wondering, Oh, is, is Georgia going to be able to get a night game? Uh, you know, there ends up being a three thirty, kind of like we all expected with it being the sec game of the week. Right. Um, you know, if if Georgia takes care of business, if if Tennessee takes care of business, we could be looking at a one-two matchup. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the first college football playoff poll comes out the Tuesday before that game, and it would not surprise me one bit based on the precedent that they've that the college football playoff committee has set. Uh, you know, really valuing big wins. That win over Alabama is among the biggest. Um, yeah. you know, and and if you're talking uh, other big wins, Georgia has one of the bigger wins in the country over Oregon. Um, so it would not surprise me to see Tennessee be one, Georgia be two, and and we'd be looking at a uh, you know game of the century. T- and I know that that term gets thrown around a little bit too often, but you know a one-two matchup there, um, you know in Athens. So I do think that there has been, there's certainly been a lot of hype for that game. But Kirby was asked about that and, and said, look, if, if we were playing a non-conference game, if we were playing an FCS opponent, maybe there would be, you know, even even throw in a Vanderbilt or a Missouri. Um, you know, some of those lower tier teams in the SEC, um, maybe there would be a chance for a slip up. Maybe there would be a chance for, uh, you know, Georgia to be caught off guard. But I think that the fact that it is this rivalry game, the fact that the pageantry that surrounds it, I think that that's got Georgia focused um, because there's there's not many games like it in college football. Yeah, and, and we know Kirby just does not like Florida, so he's not he's not overlooking yeah, he, it. <laughs> Absolutely. If, if 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 you don't remember, you know, go listen to his halftime speech from last year. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I think we all remember that one for sure. Uh, Papa, you brought him up. Stetson Bennett, of course, coming off that great college football playoff performance last year, kind of picked up right where he left off. Uh, in what ways is he even better this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that especially early on in the season, you saw how comfortable he was with these receivers. Um, And and that's something that he had talked about a lot, uh, you know, during spring practice, during the preseason, just the amount of time that he got with these guys 
um, you know, to prepare to, uh, the, I guess he, he got a little bit of a greater say in terms of how the offense was going to run and operate around him that he didn't have last year. And he didn't have the year before, you know, the, the two years that he's been Georgia's primary starter. Uh, he didn't come into the year as the primary starter. He, the, the whole, you know, build up to that, those seasons were with other quarterbacks and, and designing the offense around them. It's really hard to just change an offense like that. So, um, you know, I, I think that this year it, it was very clear. JT Daniels leaves, you know, Stetson leads them to that national championship. JT Daniels leaves. It was very clear that uh, this was going to be Stetson's team. Um, you know, I, I know Carson Beck, who, who's a Jacksonville guy, had a, you know, big game again, big game in the spring game, probably more impressive than Stetson on that day. Um, but Kirby made it clear after that game, this is Stetson's team. Every Stetson knows where he stands. This team knows where he stands. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the, the confidence that the coaches put in him late in last season and coming into this year, uh, we, we've seen him kind of play with a little bit of a swagger. Um, you know, I, I think that that's something that and, and comfortability that, that he's played with, um, not having to look over his shoulder, worrying about, oh, is this my team? Is coach going to pull me out? No, Stetson's this is Stetson's team now. Um, and so as a result, he got to, you know, work with these these guys. He, I mean, this was this past spring was the first time that he's gotten first team reps. Uh, and, and and this fall camp was the first time that he's gotten first team reps coming into uh, into a season. Now he's been the starter for two years before that, but he wasn't getting first team reps then. Was not anywhere on the radar of the coaches then. Um, so I think that you know the the amount of football that he's played speaks for itself. He's comfortable because of that, but he's also very comfortable with the system that he's in and the players that are around him. Speaking of those players, those tight ends absolutely make it easier for Bennett out there, led by Brock Bowers, of course. Uh, is that group living up to the expectations that was set on them coming into the season? You know, I I, I think that the expectations were so high with that group, um, and, and I put an emphasis on the word group there because people looked at, uh, you know, the, the, we're talking about the possibility of Georgia running 13 and 14 personnel. Um, you know, people looked at Eric Gilbert and Oscar Delp, you know, uh, as guys that were going to be major contributors. I don't know that the group has done lived up to those expectations, but I certainly think that Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers, the top two targets in that group, uh, ha have lived up to expectations. Um, you know, I think that it's it's tough when you're talking about Brock Bowers because of the season that he had last year. Um, you know, the expectations were so high. Well, teams know who Brock Bowers is now. Teams maybe didn't know or fully understand what he was capable of as a freshman uh, last year. And, and so, you know, this year teams have put a bigger emphasis on him. I do think that that has opened things up for Darnell Washington to be an absolute freak at six foot seven, 275 pounds. Um, you know, he's making plays that we haven't seen him make before. Brock Bowers is still making those plays. He's still doing incredible things, but maybe not quite as often as he did last year. Um, but I think that a, that is because defenses are trying to take him away, which opens things up for everyone else. And B, I think that Georgia is not, they understand that they haven't needed Brock Bowers to win these games so far. Um, you know, when they've needed him, they've gotten him the ball. 
uh, and they've found creative ways to get him the ball. I mean, he's got three carries on the season for three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's there's not many tight ends out there that you can hand the ball off to comfortably and watch them run 75 yards for a score like he did against Kent State. Um, you know, he, I think that there have been highlights. There have been moments there for Bowers. Um, and, and, you know, he's certainly still capable of everything that he did last year. He's shown that this year. Um, but I don't know that he has lived up to maybe the, the, especially the group as a whole has lived up to the high expectations that were set for them, because I just don't know that they were very realistic. I mean, as Kirby has talked about, um, you know, you can run 12, 13, 14 personnel with this group. You've got the players to do it, but it doesn't really create much of an advantage when you, when you put players on the field that are of similar, um, you know, body build and, and, and skill sets, um, you know, it, it doesn't create anything more difficult for the defense to defend. Um, you're better off putting two tight ends out there like Georgia has with Bowers and Washington, and then putting some playmaking receivers out there as well. That creates some versatility that creates some differences, uh, you know, a, a dynamic, offense uh, where you've got a lot of different options that maybe putting 13, 14, you know, three, four tight ends out there doesn't do. Um, So I think the expectation coming into the year was that Georgia was going to run three tight ends, four tight ends, uh, you know, quite a bit. They haven't done it as much as you may have expected. uh, But I think that the top two tight ends certainly have lived up to expectations. And I think that they, as a group, they are still capable of a lot more than they've shown. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Georgia fans will probably want to go back and watch Florida's performance versus Utah and Brent Keithy and that tight end because he lit Florida's defense up. I mean, everybody has, but specifically the tight end position, uh, you, that's probably the matchup. Of course, I think when you look at Georgia's offense, the matchup everybody's looking for, uh, but given Florida's struggles covering tight ends so far this year, uh, one that scares uh, Florida even even more uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So, Palmer, we'll, we'll go to the rest of the offense because in a way – they kind of relate together. If you start with the run game, you know, Dejan Edwards, 58 carries, Kenny McIntosh, 52, Kendall Milton, 47, even even Branson Robinson with 34, all kind of running back by committee, maybe really balanced attack as far as the run game goes. Uh, but McIntosh is the one really separating himself because of what he can do, pass catching, 28 catches on the year, 271 yards. And add that to Ladden McConkey, who leads the team, 29 catches, dropped, brought Bowers 26. You know, that's a large portion of the passing attack for, for, for Georgia in that passing game. So is it running back by committee as much as the stats say it is? Uh, and is it a bit of a surprise that McIntosh is leading the team in receptions? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, you know, I, I do think it is running. It certainly is running back by committee. Um, you know, I think that Georgia knew came into the season knowing that they didn't have, um, you know, a ton of options at running back. So they were going to have to use all of them. I mean, they came into the year with, with just five scholarship running backs have, have Andrew Paul freshman tear his ACL in fall camp. Now you're down to just four running backs. Well, you're probably going to use 
four running backs in a game, how many carries each of them gets, uh, the distribution of that kind of stuff. It, it, it's it's difficult to um, you know predict that, um, but you know I, I think that. Um, you know, for Georgia, they certainly have used those guys, um, you know, and like you said, Kenny McIntosh has been a more of an all purpose back of sorts, um, you know, being a big part of the passing game. He, he's not somebody that they're going to try and, you know, ground and pound you right between the tackles with him. They want to get him out in space. Um you know, and, and early on in the season, uh, you know, a lot of the plays that they were drawing up for him, and, and and still that is the case, but a lot of the plays that they were drawing up for him are offshoots of the run game. The, it's, you know, it's a swing pass out to the, you yeah. know, flats, uh, you know, something just to create space. Um, you know, I think that's something that Todd Munkin has done really well as an offensive coordinator is he has used space, uh, you know, and, and the skill sets of the players to, um, you know, get them out in space. Um, so, you know, that has, that has certainly been great, uh, you know, for Georgia. I, I think that, you know, when you're talking about a traditional running back, Dejan Edwards certainly has separated himself as the best running back, um, you know, in terms of hand the ball off ground and pound run between the tackles. Um, Branson Robinson has emerged, like you said, uh, you know, and, and he's really taken advantage of, Kendall Milton being banged up the last couple of weeks. Um, Milton coming back off of the injury. Uh, he was he was banged up in preseason, started the season off pretty strong, uh, you know, ca- caught a little bit of a, uh, some troubles. Dejan and, and Branson have taken advantage of, you know, his struggles and his injury, um, you know, his health concerns there. Um, do think that Kendall Milton is still a big part of this running back rotation, uh, you know, as a veteran. And, and, and honestly, there may be something to be said about the fresh legs that he's got. Um, you know, Branson Robinson, you know, not being used all too heavily in the first half of the season. Uh, he's got some fresh legs as well. So, you know, I do think that you're going to continue to see running back by committee. I think that, you know, w- based on the skill sets of these guys, there's there's different things that they all do well. Um you know, Branson, Dejan, Kendall, more of your running backs. Um, Kendall with a, a really good passing, uh, you know, passing game threat as well. And Kenny being a, a big, big threat in the passing game, um, you know, an, an extension of the run game of sorts, you know, when you are creating space like that. So, you know, I, I think that as you look at this offense as a whole, you mentioned Lab McConkie, you mentioned Brock Bowers, um, you know, th- there's – Certainly, some things that you're you know still desiring to see out of this offense. If you're a Georgia fan, um, you know I think that getting if Georgia is able to get Ad Mitchell back healthy, um, you know that creates a, a different element to this offense, a, a downfield passing element that you probably haven't seen quite as much. Um, McConkey struggled a little bit with some drops, some fumbles there. You know, in mm-hmm. in going back to what I said about the emotional roller coaster. Uh, you know, in that downslope there, McConkey wasn't, you know, playing his best football, but he did play really well out of the gate. Um, you know, I think that he's capable of playing really well. Um, you've got guys like Dominic Blaylock, Kyrus Jackson, Marcus Rosemi, Jack Saint, guys that have contributed. Uh, Dylan Bell, who's a freshman and has stepped up, you know, in the absence of, of A.D. Mitchell. Um, you know, I think getting him back certainly goes a long way towards uh, the development and the growth of this Georgia offense. 
And, and I think that, um, you know, signs are certainly pointing towards him getting back here before too long. So excited to see what Georgia's offense is capable of in the second half of the season. Um, like we talked about with Stetson, you've got a veteran quarterback. You've got weapons around him. You've got an offensive line that's up for the Joe Moore Award. Uh, you know, very talented group up front. So it, it's and, and an offensive coordinator that does some different things to create some space and, and create some separation for his guys. Uh, it's, it's a really fun group to watch uh, when they're clicking on all the cylinders. Palmer Toms, Dogs HQ on three network joining us right here as we get a couple thoughts from the defense before we let him go. Palmer, of course, historic defense <laughs> last season and now this year still leading the sec second nationally in scoring defense 9.1 points per game given up so far this season in what ways is this defense better than last season and what are are, are there any areas of concern with this defense I don't know that there's any areas that they're better. Um, you know, I, I think that, like you said, last year's group was historic. They were so, so, so good. And you and you saw that, um, you know, in the NFL draft, you know, eight guys getting drafted, five in the first round. You just don't see that off yeah. of a, any normal defense. Um, and and it, it was at every level, too. Um, you know, Georgia had three defensive linemen picked in the first round. They had three linebackers taken overall, one in the first round. They had two defensive backs taken overall, one in the first round. Um, you know, so I, I think that as you look at last year's defense, they were from top to bottom really good and really deep. Um, you know, I think that you, the guys that you're seeing, a lot of the guys that you're seeing as contributors this year were depth pieces last year. Um, and, and to have guys that were depth pieces that are this good and have shown that what they're capable of as the centerpieces, um, you know, certainly says, you know, says a lot about what that defense was last year. Um, you know, but I do think as you look at this year's group, they have adjusted um you know, they, they, they've adjusted well to not having Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, N'Kobe Dean, uh, Lewis Seen, Darian Kendrick, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, all those guys that were picked last year, they have adjusted well. You know, you look at the defensive line, they've been without Jalen Carter for a large majority of the season. Mm -hmm. Kirby told us yesterday uh, that, uh, you know, he actually suffered an ankle injury on the first play of the game against Oregon, uh, you know, powered through that, uh, you know, to, to get through, push through that to get with play through the pain, um, you know, played a little bit against Samford uh, was, and then the injury kind of came about, you know, publicly, uh, against ahead of that South Carolina game, he was limited there, did not play against Kent State, but one snap offensively. And I'm not sure he was supposed to be in for that one. Kirby, <laughs> Kirby, you know, when they he played on a as the fullback in the power jumbo formation. And next time that they went out in that formation, they, they put in a different guy. So I'm not sure Jalen Carter was supposed to be in there for that one. Um, you know, then once the ankle started to feel fine, he suffers a knee injury against uh, Missouri. Um, has missed the last two games for Georgia completely. So, you know, the hope, again, similar to what they have with A.D. Mitchell, somebody who was hurt early in the season, they're hoping to get him back and, and get him to full strength because this defense and that defensive line especially is capable of a lot with him. But without him, they did a lot as well. Nazir Stackhouse, Warren Brinson, uh, you know, Michael Williams, Tremel Walthour, Guys that have stepped up. Zion Logue is a, is a you know veteran guy in that group. Uh, somebody who's been around. Um, you know they've stepped up to be a run stopping group. 
you know, that helps the linebackers that are, uh, you know, in flux and have been banged up as well. Um, Jamon Jumas Johnson has been a leader of this team. You know, when you look at last year's group, N'Kobe Dean was the leader in the middle of that defense. Well, that has been Jamon Dumas Johnson this year. Um, leads the team in tackles there uh, from the middle, has been healthy. Um, you know, beside him, Smile Munden was a, a strong piece. Uh, you missed Georgia's last game. Uh, you know, he's been banged up. <clears throat> um, Tresman Marshall is somebody that has been around this program for a while. Uh, he's been banged up a little bit, but, you know, they, they've been able to, you know, withstand some of those losses of guys for a couple of games. I think the bye week came at a perfect time for Georgia to get healthy for this stretch run. Um, because they're going to need Smile Munden. They're going to need Jalen Carter. They're going to need Tresman Marshall, um, those guys in, uh, in that front seven. And then as you look at the secondary, um, you know, you've, you've got maybe uh, you know, Georgia one, Georgia player one freshman of the year nationally last year with Brock Bowers. They may have another one win freshman of the year this year with Malachi Starks, especially the way that he got off to that strong start. Uh, interception against Oregon, interception against South Carolina, nearly had another interception, very athletic play against Auburn, um, resulted in a pass breakup instead. Um, you know, he leads the team in pass breakups, tied for the team high in interceptions. Uh, who he's tied with is, is Chris Smith, who's a Thorpe Award semifinalist, one of 12 players in the country, uh, you know, very strong safety group there. Uh, Keely Ringo, somebody that Georgia fans obviously know, uh, and remember, and, and I think college football fans remember from his pick six against Alabama in the national championship game. He's a strong, you know, guy that you kind of just forget that he's out there because he plays pretty well. Opposite of him, Kamari Lassiter has been the corner. Um, you know, they, they've they've rotated Dalen Everett in, who's a freshman. Um, they've rotated him a little bit. Uh, Going to be interested to see how those corners hold up and the star position as well. Javon Bullard, Tyke Smith, really that secondary as a whole. Very interested to see how they hold up in this second half of the season, uh, going up against some some defenses, some excuse me, some offenses that are going to put some pressure on them. So you know, overall, I think that this is a it's a gr good group of of def uh, players on defense. Um, not as strong as last year's, maybe the number, the numbers say otherwise. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, I, I don't think Kirby smart really cares if, if they <laughs> back up, you know, if they continue to put up, uh, the numbers, they're, they're incredibly talented. They're not as experienced. They're a young group, but talent can get you a long way in this game. Absolutely. We see it. We see it year in and year out with that Georgia defense, what, what, what talent means uh, on that side of the ball. Uh, Palmer, last thought here. You, you mentioned D Dumas Johnson here, leading tackler in four of the last five games, uh, eight versus Missouri. Is he someone you're looking at with this Florida run game and quarterback Anthony Richardson and what he can do with the ball? Is he someone you're looking at as far as maybe spying Richardson, also being involved in that in that rush defense? Uh, Derek, you know, he, he may have his hands full in, in trying to play the run game and the quarterback. Yeah, uh, you know, looking at – I think the best game that you can look at for, um, you know, Georgia in terms of a quarterback spy and, and having to pay attention to that – well, there's really a couple because Bo Nix was that way. You had to pay attention to him and with Oregon. But, you know, most recently against Auburn um, with, with um, you know, Robbie Ashford at, at quarterback for the Tigers there, uh, that's somebody that they paid a lot of attention to. So, you know, I'm not sure that it'll be Jamon Dumas-Johnson spying the quarterback. It could be Smile Munden if he's healthy. He's an out – he – played outside linebacker in high school, very athletic guy, um, you know, by nature. If he's healthy, 
he could be the guy. Xavier Sori is somebody that also played outside linebacker, uh, now playing inside linebacker and is is incredibly athletic. He could be a guy that that spies. Um, but you know, do think that Jamon Dumas Johnson is going to be a big part of this game uh, as, as a run stopper, similar to you know the the kind of performances that we saw out of Nicobe Dean the last couple of years. Um, you know, believe he had a career high tackle you know, number of tackles in the 2020 matchup. Obviously, had the big uh, you know pick six against Florida last year. So um, you know that's that's a very important position for Georgia um, in this defense. You know, stopping the run, but also. Uh, you know, creating a little bit of havoc up front. All right. Really, really good preview of the Georgia Bulldogs from Palmer Tom's Dogs HQ on three network. Palmer, man, I can't thank you enough. Really, really great preview. I think, uh, I think we know everything about Georgia. (laughs) We need to know right now, man. (laughs) Appreciate it, David. Plenty of college football, plenty of NFL, other sports going on as well. My bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all of your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. You can bet on the NFL, college football, the World Series is coming up and play for a big share of cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, that time is now. Make your winning move today. Sign up at my bookie. Use promo code Gators and claim your deposit match of any amount up to a thousand bucks. Again, that is promo code Gators to claim your bonus. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. You know the goosebumps you get when Florida takes the field? Or when that 63-yard Hail Mary actually works? Or the thrill of a game-winning interception in the end zone? What a rush. You can experience that same rush every day at your home with Shark Coatings. We'll cover your old, ugly concrete with a beautiful industrial concrete coating and a warranty that lasts longer than most careers in professional football. So whether your garage floor is for parking, partying, or working out, Shark Coatings can transform it. And if your pool deck is starting to look like a bulldog, old, cracked, and smells like pee, Shark Coatings can transform that too. Shark Coatings is easy to clean, stain-resistant, and is 100% antibacterial and antimicrobial. We're easy on the eyes and on the maintenance. Gator Nation is worldwide, and Shark Coatings is based right in the heart of it. So whether you live in Brunswick, Georgia, or Live Oak, Florida, down to Ocala, over to New Smyrna Beach, or anywhere in between, Contact us for a free estimate today. Learn more at sharkfloorcoatings.com. That's sharkfloorcoatings.com. So here we go. The 7-0, number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs and the Gators in Jacksonville. Let's take a look at Georgia's schedule up to this point, how they got to 7-0. Oregon is who they opened the season with in Atlanta. A 49-3 thumping of Oregon right there. That win looks better and better. Bo Nix actually playing well there in the Pac-12. We know he's not an SEC quarterback. (laughs) Uh, But playing well there in the Pac-12, that win looks better for Georgia. But they did open up the season. 49-3 victory. Then they beat Sanford 33-0. A 48-7 victory at South Carolina to move Georgia to 3-0 on the season. Then a 39-22 victory over Kent State. And then the very next week had that comeback win versus Missouri to Georgia in Columbia. They win that game 26-22. Then they thump Auburn 42-10. And then their last game 55-0 over Vanderbilt. So given all that, 
stat comparison not going to look pretty. There's a reason. <laughs> Georgia's the number one team in the country. And you can see it. It's right here on the YouTube version. You got the graphics, and I'll go through it as best I can right here to kind of give you a comparison. But, I mean, if you're watching the YouTube version, you know, it, it, it's bolded who has the advantage. And there's a lot of bold text on the Georgia side of things. Total offense, Georgia, second in the country, second in the SEC, 526.6 yards. Gators 43rd, respectable 43rd. At that mid point in the SEC, ranked 7th in the SEC, 429.6. So 526.6 for Georgia total offense. Florida, 429. Scoring offense, Georgia 41.7 points a game. Florida, 31.4. For Georgia, that is tied for eighth in the country and third in the SEC. Florida tied 55th in the country, eighth in the SEC. Just an inconsistent offense, you know. We'll see what we can figure out in the bye week to get that more consistent, hopefully, to finish this season. Where Florida does have the advantage, of course, is the rushing offense, but it's not like Georgia's bad. For Florida, 212.6 yards a game. Georgia 196.7 for Florida. They're 212.6. That's good for 16th in the country, third in the SEC. Georgia's 196.7 is 29th in the country, sixth in the SEC. Passing efficiency, big, big, big advantage when you look at the quarterback, Stetson Bennett for Georgia and Anthony Richardson. Now, this counts, of course, the whole team, so you wouldn't, when the backups play, this is counted too, but we know this is mostly the starting quarterbacks here. Passing efficiency led by Stetson Bennett, 157.73 for Georgia, 130.81 for Florida. For Georgia, that is 21st in the country, 4th in the SEC. For Florida, that is 88th in the country, 11th in the SEC. Touchdown to interception ratio, Big, big, big advantage, Georgia. They don't turn the ball over. Touchdown to interception ratio for Georgia, 11 touchdowns, one interception. That's good for fourth in the country, second in the SEC. Florida, 7-7. Seven and seven. Touchdown to interception ratio, 107th in the country, 11th in the SEC. Total defense, and this is where, of course, it gets really ugly. We know how good Georgia's defense is, and we know how bad Florida's defense is. Total defense, Georgia. First in the SEC, 247.1. Fourth in the country, it says. There's some other stats out there that say second, so we'll see. <laughs> um, Georgia's website says second best. In the country, but either way, top five in total defense is Georgia. Florida, 429.3 puts Florida 108th in the country, 12th in the SEC. Scoring defense, that's where Georgia is second. 9.1. 9.1 points given up the whole season. 
by on average. 9.1. We see the, we saw the shutouts there. Shut out Samford, shut out Vanderbilt. Held Auburn to 10. Held South Carolina to 7. Oregon to 3. Scoring defense for Georgia, 9.1 average. That is first in the SEC, of course, second in the country. And the comparison, 9.1 for Georgia, 28.1 for Florida. Georgia giving up nine points a game. Florida, 28. That is 81st for the Gators, 11th in the SEC. Rushing defense, and no, this is a strength for Florida and their offense, that rushing offense, but Georgia only giving up 83.4 yards a game. That is first in the SEC. Fourth in the country. Florida's defense giving up 185 yards a game. That's 108th in the country, 13th in the SEC. Passing defense, Georgia 163.7. Florida 244.3. For Georgia, that is fifth in the country, first in the SEC. For Florida, they're 244.3 yards given up in the pass. 90th in the country, 11th in the SEC. Turnover margin, T.A., the teams are tied there, plus three. Uh, I mean, Florida, as we know, has been able to cause a lot of turnovers on defense so far this year. Turnover margin, plus three for both teams. That's good for 42nd in the country. Florida with their takeaways, tied for 29th in the country with 13. Georgia has nine takeaways. That's 90th in the country, 10th in the SEC. Sacks allowed. Florida tied for fifth in the country. First in the SEC, five sacks on the season, 0.71 per game. Georgia giving up one sack a game. That's still good for 17th in the country and third in the SEC. Opponent red zone percentage. Georgia strong in the red zone on defense. I mean, it goes along with everything else you see. 70% opponent red zone percentage, Georgia. That's 10th in the country, second in the SEC. And we'll go ahead to the bottom here, sacks per game. Georgia doesn't get a lot of sacks, and I don't think a lot of people know that. I know it was a discussion we had on Gators Breakdown Plus in the Discord there uh, when looking at this game, but that's kind of been their MO. They just don't get a lot of sacks, but they pressure. They simulate pressures. They don't rush. They don't blitz a whole lot. They trust their defensive line. That's part of it. And they trust their second. They trust every level of their defense. So, you know, they, they, like I said, they get pressure. Sack numbers aren't there. Georgia is dead last in the SEC, tied for 124th in the country with one sack a game. They have seven on the season. Florida has 13 on the season. Like you say, that doesn't really correlate, especially in years past. It's been this way for Georgia. Florida's been able to get sacks in recent years under Todd Grantham. And, it doesn't, and, you know, it doesn't really amount to much. Now, don't get me wrong. You like to see the sacks. A lot of, you know, potential turnovers are, are in the mix once you start getting sacks. Maybe quarterback fumbles the ball. But it's not a necessity for a great defense. That's what we're seeing here. I mean, tackles for loss per game. Georgia's not even tackles for loss. Not even that good. All their defensive statistics are... First in the SEC in total defense, scoring defense, rushing defense, passing defense, 
passing efficiency defense. They're first in the SEC, top five in the country in all those statistics. But in sacks per game, 124th. Tackles for loss, 116th in the country. Next to last or dead last in the SEC in those. But it doesn't matter. Georgia averaging 4.4 tackles loss, tackles for loss per game. That's good for 116th in the country, 13th in the SEC. Florida with 39, 5.6 a game. That's good for 70th in the country and 6th in the SEC. So there you go. There's your statistical comparison. We've got the great preview there from Palmer. There's your statistical comparison. And now it's time to talk about the game a little bit. All those stats you just heard, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, are the only three schools that rank in the top 10 in scoring offense and scoring defense in the country. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, all those teams near the top. Scoring offense and scoring defense and the rankings. The Bulldogs have outscored their opponents 292-64 to this season. Including, this is where Florida has to get off to a good start. Georgia has outscored their opponents 156-32 to in the opening half this season. So all that, of course, that, that, that's leading to a 22-point spread in this game. The largest we can all find till they started keeping up with it, that's going back to like 95. You know, Florida in the 90s with Spurrier, you had about a 19-point spread was the largest. It's a big, big point spread that we haven't seen before. And as I mentioned earlier in this episode, let's hear from some players on that thought. Anthony Richardson, Tyreek Sapp on that large point spread. 22 points. Well, I I didn't even hear about that until now. You know, um, we haven't really even been thinking about being the underdog because, you know, we've pretty much been the underdog all season. You know, uh, a lot of people have been, you know, counting us out, doubting us. But, you know, that just, that just comes with the with the territory. Like, we know what we have to do to get back to the top spot. You know, we're, we're going to try to, you know, do that. So, uh, we don't, we're not necessarily thinking about being the underdog. Sorry, man. That number seemed to surprise you. Is what I was about to say. You're like 22 points. <laughs> yeah, it did. You know, um, I that's, that's crazy. It mean a lot. You know, just to even win. You know, uh, every win is a big win for us. Uh, this one is an SEC game, so SEC win would be great for us. And you know, just being in Jacksonville and, and winning that game would be. Big win for us. It gets you up. It riles you up because you because you feel like it's kind of disrespect because we both put in not putting the same work, but we both put on our cleats the same. We understand that. We understand that. Yes, this team is hot combatants, but we got a chance to. We always had a fighter's punch. There's always a fighter's punch in these games, and just feel like we can take over this game and and just be successful in all phases if we just all come together and execute. And we understand that. Also, they are hot combatants, but we are too. There we are. Big, big point spread. And look, that's how you have to attack it. You have to attack it as an opportunity. First of all, you're just playing the number one team in the country. No, no, no. Let me erase that. First of all, you're playing Georgia. It is 
in many ways, the biggest rival you play. You know, I know some people go FSU, but in some ways this is because of being in the SEC and just who they are in the history of this game. So number one, you're playing Georgia. Number two, you're playing the number one team in the country. You know, you want to beat whoever it is, the number one team in the country. Number three, you heard it right there. Maybe a little bit of disrespect, but it's earned. It, it, it is earned. I'm not saying that it's not, you know, Georgia has earned their number one ranking and earned their path to being a 22-point favorite in this game. But Florida has to see this as an opportunity in a couple of ways. Go out there and beat the number one team. Go out there and beat a rival. Go out there and shock the world with a 22-point point spread. That's, you have to attack it that way. It is an opportunity for the Gators. Your motivation. I mean, you, you shouldn't need it. You shouldn't need a 22-point underdog storyline to get you motivated for this game. You shouldn't. I don't think they need to, but add it to the repertoire of going out there and getting ready for this game. Have to use it as some kind of advantage. Like I said, I don't think Billy Napier would need it. You know, we know the history of this game. You had a bye week to get ready. And this team should be ready to play anyway. But take what you can get. Use every little morsel of motivation. Look, and and the 22-point spread, that's not going to matter on Saturday. I'm a big believer in it's all about the preparation, the leading up. So, you know, if this is what it takes to prepare just a little bit harder, shouldn't, don't get me wrong. Or in some ways, maybe, you know, maybe you get a little extra ounce. But use it, use it. Use it in some ways. But 22 points, ooh, that's a lot. That is a lot. All right, let's take a little more, a little bit of a look at this Georgia team. Their offense, of course, led by Stetson Bennett. I mean, in his journey, I think a lot of people missed this around SEC media days. This, this was coming out. But the story of Bennett's journey and, and almost with Billy Napier. Bennett, of course, initially walked on at Georgia before transferring to Jones Community College in Mississippi back in 2018. Ahead of the 2019 college football season, Napier was among the head coaches out there trying to recruit Stetson Bennett out of Jones Community College when Billy Napier was at Louisiana. Of course, Bennett ended up back at Georgia, but the morning he was about to sign with Louisiana, he got the call from Georgia, returned to Athens after Justin Fields transferred instead of signing with Billy Napier. So a little connection right there between the Gators head coach and the Georgia quarterback. But that Georgia quarterback, Stetson Bennett, currently ranks third nationally among active players in total offense yards per play for a career. I know he's thought to be the reputation out there of just conservative, not taking a whole lot of chances quarterbacks, but among active players in total offense yards per play for a career at 8.37, 8.37. 
total offense yards. That's on pace for a school record, 7.69 by Aaron Murray. The current active national leader is C.J. Stroud, Ohio State's quarterback at 9.57, followed by Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina at 8.74. Those are the only two active players in total offensive yards for a career ahead of Stetson Bennett. And probably the biggest worry from us on the Florida side and the weapons that Stetson Bennett has around him, of course, is tied in Brock Bowers. Bowers is the only player in the country this season with a rushing touchdown of at least 75 yards and a receiving touchdown of at least 75 yards. So, you know, looking at that, how creative will Georgia get and will they even need to get that creative using Bowers? And how does Florida match up? That is probably one of the biggest questions. We know Florida's issues with tight ends, especially dating back to the Utah game this year. Kentucky had some early success in that game using the tight ends. Now, other teams haven't had the tight ends, especially like Utah has had now, except Georgia, of course. So how does Florida dial up something to help take away Bowers? And you still got to worry about Stetson Bennett in that Georgia run game at the same time. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Looking at Georgia. Yeah, we talk about a sometimes and, you know, I, I don't like it. It's just another term for bad defense. But Ben don't break. You know, for Florida, that definitely means it, it, it fits. Just It's just bad defense. It's not a Ben don't break defense. It's a bad defense. And it's probably not going to work this game. Georgia, 42 of 43 in the red zone this year, 98%. 29 touchdowns, 13 field goals. That's second in the country. So this Ben don't, I mean, look, is there a path? Of course, we'll get into it a little bit. But if we're going to go by things that have happened this season, tangible evidence, well, Ben don't break's not going to work this game. 42 of 43 in the red zone is Georgia. 29 touchdowns, 13 field goals. And they don't turn the ball over. Only six turnovers on the season, five fumbles, only one interception. And, of course, we have to look at it because we know the issues the last couple of times. Can't overlook it for, uh, for Florida's defense. Third down defense. To Georgia, this is not going to make you feel any better. Georgia ninth in the country in third down offense. 52.4%, while, of course, the Gators are next to dead last in the country, giving up 52.6% on third downs. So if that checks out, Georgia's going to hit at least 52% in their third downs. <laughs> I mean, they, they are at 52% gaining. If Florida is at 52% giving up on third down. So there you go. That is Georgia's offense. 
And what would this Gator defense do? I mean, that, that, that's the biggest question in this game. Let's hear from Billy Napier and Tyreek Sapp on the bye week, getting everything kind of together for this defense, identifying the problems. What did you, how dirty did you get your hands on the defensive side of the ball during the bye week? And, and how much are you, are you maybe getting more involved moving forward? Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, with the way we're built and the way we're put together, the way we operate the entire year, um, you know, I mean, I think I'm getting dirty over there all the time, if that makes sense. You know, I mean, uh, we're very intentional about how we put our team together, right? This is not like, hey, you guys, you go, you guys handle the defense, you know, we'll handle the offense, you handle the special teams. I mean, we're very, uh, very much a team approach relative to playing complimentary winning football. Um, so, I mean, I think we understand what the issues are, you know, and I think throughout the year we played really good at times and then we played very inconsistent at times. So I think the key here, what are we looking for? We're looking for all the things that we can control. We're going to continue to focus on improvement. Um, and, it, and it's, I don't want to make it more complicated than it is. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's technical, um, and certainly, I think I don't think it's one specific thing. I think it's a combination of a lot of areas, and uh, certainly, you know, our guys are working hard. Nobody cares more than the players do, right? I mean, I know you guys got articles to write, and our fans have got things to talk about, you know, around the house. But you know, there's no no one that it's more important to than the people that work extremely hard and take tremendous pride in what they do. So, uh, and that's exactly the approach that they've taken. So, you know, we got a lot a lot of football left here, and we're gonna do our best to help the players improve and help the staff. Do, do you have to caution yourself from wanting to do too, try to do too much, make wholesale changes? I mean, there's only so much you can probably do with a few extra practices. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a little bit more of identifying the problems, right? What are the communication errors? What are the fundamental errors? Um, you know, conceptually, what's been good, what's not been good, you know, and then you take a holistic, you know, okay, hey, let's look at the big picture in some of these areas where we need to improve. What's the scouting report? Not that we don't do that each week, but you got more time to say, okay, hey, based off of what we know, what can we um, change or improve. Oftentimes playing defense is uh, not about what you're doing, it's about how you do it, you know. And, yeah. And uh, so, again, I can't say it enough, you know, it's not one thing. It's a number of things that contribute. Um, We've been through this before, right? I mean, we inherited a a similar situation in the past. all you can do is focus on the things that you know contribute to playing better. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're just a few plays away, just a few plays away. We know all this hard work we're putting in. It's not It's not for nothing, but we're just a few plays away. We just feel like we're so close, but it's, we just feel like it's something there that we're missing. And it's a reason why we can't break that barrier, but I feel like we can figure it out this week. We're going to work towards breaking that barrier this week on trying to find the recipe for us to have success in those big-time games and those close moments. So we're just working on that, trying to see the analytics and, analytics and do the best that we do, not just our defensive style coaches, but as players to see what's the problem and what we need to get fixed. 
What's, how frustrating is it to know that you are just a few plays away from being 7-0, and and how encouraging is it to know that if you can make up for those mistakes, yes, that you can that you can be so much better? Yes, sir. It's, it's, it's frustrating, but it's very it gives you hope as well because you also understand that it takes a lot of work to get those things done. And you understand that, that what we have come from and we see that what we have done over the past this season, we see that there's hope in there. We see that we can put some. It's just another step that we can take just to break that barrier. And we understand that we can take that step if we just focus a little harder, work a little harder, and put a little more focus into it, put a little bit more emphasis on certain things. It all works together, but like, what, what would be the number one thing in your mind that you would like to fix on defense? Third down defense, run defense, sacks, just, I mean, they're all down. Just, just third down and, and affecting the quarterback, really. Third down, affecting the quarterback, taking some of the heat off our, taking some of the heat off our DBs, because our DBs over the past this season, they have in coverage. Our linebackers as well have done an exceptional, exceptional job. Um, I feel like we can just up front, up front as uh, rushing four, I feel like we should affect, we can affect the quarterback more just be more precise in our rushes and understanding who we're actually up against. Pressure the quarterback some. What do you think has been holding you guys back consistency-wise? You know, just, I just feel like up front we could just be a little bit more effective with our hands because we got some great guys rushing up front. Got some great guys. Just be more effective because a lot of the times we get pressures where we're just about there. It's the thing is, like, it's a difference between sacks and pressures, like seconds and seconds, inches between. It's a difference between that sack and then a pressure. So you just want to try to get more of those sacks and try to just affect the QB more, try to rattle guys and, and get them off of their game and get them off of they've uh, get them off of their throwing. Is it stunning to you that the defense hasn't been a little more consistent given yeah. the yeah. talent on that side yes. of the ball? I feel like we're a very, very talented defense. We just have to bring it all together. And we and we all understand that it's going to take work and it's going to take time. But at this point, it's a matter of time. And that, that time's coming up and time's ticking. So we just got to take advantage of it. We got to look at this moment. We got to seize it. We got to put our best foot forward as a defense, as a team. There we go. Deep dive into this defense from Billy Napier and defensive lineman Tyreek Sapp. Can Florida win up front? You heard Sapp say it. You know, that's where it starts. You know, and as soft as Florida has played in the secondary and in the back end, uh, it still could be helped a bit by a better pass rush, more pressure up front. So for Florida, can they win up front this game versus Georgia? But at the same time, you got to cover those tight ends and you got to cover their running backs out of the backfield. The wide receivers don't put much fear in you overall, but but if Stetson can sit back there all day and throw, like many other quarterbacks have done so far versus Florida this year, then he's just going to pick apart this defense too, and the receivers are going to have a good day. We'll see their wide receivers have success if this pass rush doesn't improve, if the pressure from Florida up front doesn't improve. And they don't run the ball as good as past years, but we know that. And that, look, that's comparatively, they still, they're still they still a really good run team. Though in Stetson Bennett's legs at the same time. And Stetson Bennett also is just throwing the ball really well. You know, it's time to be aggressive. Uh, in, in, in this game, try some different things out. You know, does Patrick Tony have it in him? Or is he going to be so... I'm not saying it's the wrong move. It's, it's, it's all checks and balances. You know, how much do you want to run your defense and, your, and get experience for players in your defense, but also at the same time try and win a ball game? You know, so with that, I think it's probably be a little more aggressive than you want to be. You don't have the athletes or the recruits, the level of talent to play the defense that you want to play. In a lot of ways, 
Patrick Tony wants his defense to look like look like Georgia's and Kirby's. A lot of the same, all the simulated pressures and creepers and all that stuff we've heard, it's pretty much the Georgia defense too. And they can run it because of who they have on that side of the ball. Well, unfortunately, Patrick Tony doesn't have that. So you've got to change a little bit. You've got to play more aggressive than you normally want to and normally would. Play more man coverage. Make Stetson hit the and he can. Don't get, I'm not saying he can't, but make him hit those tight window throws. Play some tighter coverage. Play more man. Play aggressive. Play more aggressive up front. Call more aggressive up front. And Florida hasn't been able to get pressure with their three or four man rushes. So call more rushers, bring more rushers at times. See if you can produce more pressure, more sacks. And then maybe that can cause some more turnovers that you're probably going to need in this game. And of course, you're not going to come out there and line up and man every play. But line up in it more than you normally would. You know, the, the, the zone and the pattern matching and all the things the players have to think about. It's just adding confusion for this Gator defense right now. And we go back a little bit, Missouri, they, they were able to beat Georgia up front. That was the difference in that game for their defense. They kept a minute. Played aggressive in coverage and beat them up front. You know, early in that game, eventually Georgia got their run game going in the second half. But Stetson Pennant's made some play with his legs in his career so far this season as well. And it sets up. Britton Cox has played better this season but still has those times where over-pursuit, out of position. And I don't care what people say, and they want to keep making him a target. He is playing better this year. But in this game, and Stetson Bennett has shown before in this game as well, and I said throughout his career, this season is at the same time. But this is Brenton Cox. You know, This is one of those over – got to watch for those over-pursued keepers that Stetson Bennett will – I think Georgia's going to be setting it up. They see it on film just like we all do. You know, this is setting up for one of those keepers and Stetson Bennett runs for 40 yards. I think we all know, I think Georgia's going to try it, set that up at some point. They might even be testing it early. It might be the, the first time that, that that play is called. See what Britton Cox does. And if he ever pursues, there goes Stetson around the corner. So Florida has to be ready for that. Britton Cox has to be ready for that. And the whole defensive front needs to be ready to play, go get some pressure. I mean, you'd love for Florida to come out, and this Georgia offensive line isn't the same kind of Georgia offensive line we've seen in years past either. You'd love for Florida to come out and not have to blitz. But if early on it's proven that you can't get pressure while just bringing three or four, you're going to have to bring more guys. All right, other side of the ball. Georgia defense, you heard us earlier talking about it with Palmer, and of course the stats right after that. Defense has posted 16 scoreless quarters in 2022. 16 scoreless quarters. That's four games. Georgia posted its second shutout of the year coming off that 55 to nothing win over Vanderbilt. Georgia 23 and 1. Their only loss coming against Florida in 2020, Georgia 23-1 and when they register a non-offensive score under Kirby Smart. That's defense and special teams, but just defensive alone. 
Since Kirby has taken over, the Dogs have scored 100 points on 15 touchdowns and five safeties. But surprisingly, Georgia does not have a defensive touchdown or a safety this season. Last season, 28 points in six different games. They had four pick sixes and two safeties. Georgia's defense does not have a touchdown this year. So hopefully, that does not mean <laughs> coming up against Florida this week, they're getting their first one. Hopefully, that trend continues. Georgia is allowing teams to convert on third down 29% of the time. 28 of 95, that's 13th nationally. The Gators are 49th on offense in the country, converting third down at 42 and a half. So Florida needs to stay on schedule. Georgia's a good third down defense. You know, so, and I'm sure, probably we should have looked at it, went and looked at it. I'm sure it's third and not manageable (laughs) for teams against Georgia's defense. Uh, for Florida's offense, of course, looking at Georgia's defense, it, it, it's hard to see a path to upset in Georgia by running the ball. I know Florida has the nation's best 6.4 yards a carry, but Georgia just doesn't give up big runs. They're only giving up 3.3 yards a carry, only one rushing touchdown on the season. Georgia has given up only three runs all season long of 20-plus yards. Florida has 14 20-plus yard runs. So something's got to give there. And as much as I hate to say it, I probably lean Georgia there a little bit. But if the run game, if it isn't there or it's very limited, of course, the game's going to fall on Anthony Richardson's shoulders. Can he be the quarterback he needs to be? the game on his shoulders. I think if you go back and look at it, and I've brought this up plenty of times in, in, in talking about Georgia. History says you need to be able to throw the ball to beat that defense. Once they got this thing rolling on Kirby Smart, it's been mostly quarterbacks, especially in recent years. Recent history shows us this. That can pick apart that defense through the air. Yeah, you had your Jarrett Stidham in 2017 in Auburn. You had the South Carolina game Georgia lost at home uh, in 2019. You know, but starting in your two in that national championship game in 2017, he threw over 166 yards in the second half of that game. So more times than not, you know, it's been elite-level quarterback play that defeats Georgia's defense for the most part. The last three seasons, you know, besides that South Carolina, South, South Carolina loss in 2019, it's taken the likes of Joe Burrow, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Bryce Young to beat Georgia and that defense. Joe Burrow, a Heisman winner. Mac Jones, a Heisman finalist. Kyle Trask, a Heisman finalist. Bryce Young, a Heisman winner. <laughs> I mean, elite level Heisman types of quarterbacks. That's what it's taken to beat Georgia's defense. All through for over 400 yards except Burrow in the 2019 SEC Championship, and he still threw for 349. Recent history shows that is the likely path to beat Georgia. 
Does Anthony Richardson have a Tennessee performance in him against the best defense he'll see this season and one of the best he'll ever play? I hate to say it, but to me, that's the only path to a victory. Recent history shows us that is the most likely path. Now, could Florida have a 2014 game where the running backs come up and just dominate? Of, of course. But highly unlikely. You know, are we banking on Georgia turning the ball over a high number of times? There's no way to predict that. That's nothing but hope. Looking at the game and the likely path, it would need to be Anthony Richardson and these wide receivers playing the game of their life and Billy Napier calling the game of his life. Not sure the typical Napier offense gets it done, lining up and trying to run on. As I said, can it happen? Oh, yes, anything can happen. But if we want to go by tangible evidence, you're going to need an elite level play from your quarterback. You're going to have to beat him down the field, and your quarterback has to be on. That's, that, that is the likely path. You have to play at such a high level at the quarterback position and pick apart that defense. Does Anthony Richardson have that inning? Now, of course, you know, bye week, coming off of a bye week, could Florida have figured something out in the bye week? Certainly could. And I'm not even sure if you did figure it out, if it will show up versus Georgia. There is a chance Florida could figure out a lot during the bye week that helps them out, become a better team. Don't get me wrong. This defense isn't going to magically turn around to be some great defense. But you could figure some things out to make it better. And, of course, on the other side of the ball, too, for the offense to maybe be a little more consistent. Now, I also think the defense needs to help the offense out a whole lot more. Get off the field on third down, give your offense more chances. And I think that will help the offense just in general, just getting them more plays, getting them more drives. But there, the improvement could be there, but you're playing Georgia. And they can be so good that it can negate any improvement that Florida may have made in the bye week. So we may have to wait till after Georgia when Florida plays Texas A&M and South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Florida State, to see any progress this team has made in the bye week. Georgia can mask any improvements Florida made. That's how good they can be. That's how good they are. So looking at it all, I, I, don't, I, I don't think Georgia has much of an issue in this game. I, I hate to say it. My stomach turns when I talk about it like that. I think Florida's path to a victory is in shootout fashion or just some crazy turnover day from Georgia, but you can't predict that. So the most likely scenario to me it, for, for an upset bid is a shootout where Anthony Richardson and the offense just goes crazy. I don't think it happens. 41-20 Georgia is my prediction. Ugh. Feel sick picking it, picking a blowout in this game. That means a lot to me personally. I don't like that team. I can't stand that team. But I, 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 I can't pick Florida staying with Georgia right now from what we've seen this year. And look, I got 41 to 20, and I'm having a hard time picking 20 for Florida. But I do think AR finds a way to play okay. I think the run game will get some, but nothing amounts to much in an upset bid. 
and I guess this could, I guess it could, could come, you know, kind of like Florida or Georgia, Missouri, some ugly low scoring game somehow. You know, I, and you go back to last year and it took Florida turnovers right before halftime for Georgia to break through in that game. But looking at this Florida defense, I just don't see a low-scoring affair because of that. I think Georgia's going to get their points. That's why I point to it. To me, a most likely path is a shootout. I don't see Florida's defense shutting down Georgia's offense. Now, like I said, I can't predict turnovers, and that can happen, and that can turn into an ugly game. But the way I see it playing out based on what we've seen this year, Florida's path, to me, is to get in some type of shootout. I just don't see Florida's defense hanging tough in this one. So 41 to 20 is my prediction for Georgia beating Florida. Ah, big sigh. A big sigh. Well, I'll still be excited for the game. My parents coming in for the game. Going to be a good time. Going to enjoy it anyway. Hopefully find some way to walk out victors. But for the game itself, may not be all pretty. But I'm going to have a good time anyway. Me and my wife, my parents, tailgate before the game as well. So I'm ready, I'm just ready to have a good time. Just like I said, this game means a whole lot to me anyway just because of the atmosphere. And you know, my background growing up in Georgia, this is, this is my game. This is my game. But I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can smile more than I think I'm going to. <laughs> But all right, there we go. That'll do it for this preview of Florida and Georgia. Thanks to Palmer Toms one more time for joining us right here in that deep, deep preview of Georgia. And that will do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>